0: I'll press record and then so welcome to discover energy work I'm Richard Wicks and I'm here not for the first time with Katie Larson now I've, I've got to say I'm a bit like in the shadows if, if you're watching on YouTube because um, the internet at my guest house is not very good and now I'm in Om Garden Cafe who are sponsoring uh, this episode like unwittingly no I did talk with you um, and and Katie is a transformational is a is a has a phd in transformational learning so i also call her dr katie so good morning dr katie how are you good i, didn't, I'm, I good. I'm
1: doing well i'm here in a chilly hong kong november morning
0: oh, i love those chilly hong kong november mornings it's great so um, last time like it was so funny because it was lovely talking to you, but you kind of interviewed me. So people, what I've probably done is—I right. is, don't know yet because I haven't published that episode yet and haven't done the editing. But I'm probably going to cut all of your story out. So, That's okay. So, so I remember and, it. It's my story. <laughs> exactly. So you've got a big story actually. So so um, yeah. I mean, it, it's—I don't—I it, don't even know where to start with you. I mean, I know that you start. I you know, uh, me too. Really <laughs> early. So do you want to just like let, firstly introduce like you're a transformational coach. A tra- you're, you're a doctor in transformational learning. You're a coach for... Sure, I'll give you my
1: pr- professional highly, credentials.
0: Highly sensitive people. And and yeah, give us your pro right. professional pro- credentials. I'll
1: give you my professional credentials and then I'll go back in time and, sh- and show you how I got them. Um, but yes, I am Dr. Katie Larson, and I'm the founder of Growth Quest, and I'm a growth coach who works with highly sensitive people, empaths, and intuitives. And it's because I myself am all three of those, and probably other names of things that we don't even know about yet. Yeah. Um, and it's been quite a journey for me to really embrace those aspects of me. Hmm. And so I now help others not only embrace that, those traits, but really thrive in the world as these types of people. And so I'll yeah I'll go back in time and, and I'll share about little Katie. And um, I think we talked about how I was born curious, but really in like adult terms now we would call me like a seeker. Mm-hmm. Like I've always been a seeker. I've always been curious. And I think that, you know, manifested in itself different ways. And I was always in the library as a little kid and like, Book choices were always on the fringe. Like I loved UFOs and Bigfoot and mm. ghosts and astrology and esoteric things. Even as like an eight-year-old and the librarian knew me so well, she would like keep little book stacks for me on the side. And I think there was something when I would read it, I almost felt connected to like a wisdom that I knew before. And so this also ties into, as a kid, I had past life memories, and I didn't always know they were past life memories at the time, but they were things that I shouldn't or couldn't have known otherwise, and, like, I used to love playing with in nature. So we lived on a lake. And I mm. loved being in nature and I would play on the, on the shore and there was a beautiful tree, a beautiful oak tree next to the shore. And I would build a hut made of sticks and it came very natural to me. I would put all of these sticks on the tree and then I would layer littler sticks and moss and mud and I would create this shelter and I would crawl in it. And when I was doing that, I would get these memories of skinning a rabbit and like everything that you would need to do to skin a rabbit with like, um, a sharp stone and how you'd have to like separate the skin from the fat and pull off the hair. And it's like, these aren't things that I was doing as Katie, you know, like, how but I would have these six, seven, eight, nine, you know, right. like in that range. Yeah. And
0: amazing.
1: it was very, um, visceral memories where it was almost I reckon like maybe if you watch a film nowadays and then the character has a flashback it was like I would be in my real life but then I'd have these flashbacks to a different life Mm. and I didn't understand it at the time but I I did sometimes make comments to Mm. my parents and I would say things like um, you know I hope I'm not an alcoholic this time and -hmm. they say what do you mean this time and I'd say I've been one before and when I would say it, I could even remember like the feelings with it of like being very lonely, being, being like taking alcohol as a way to like calm myself down. And again, I'm nine, 10 years old
0: but and I, I just have you, these experiences. I'm just, and I'm, I'm fascinated with that. So you're a nine, 10 year old saying something like that. Was there ever a part of you that said, this isn't normal or this is like, this, this is a, that was a funny thing. Not yet. <laughs> That was a funny thing I just said. No, no. Not yet. Okay. Okay.
1: Yeah, I think um, maybe the older I got to be in the preteens, I started to realize that was weird. And I also, my parents really appeased me nicely. I think they would make jokes sometimes, like maybe we all were Indians in another life, you know, or like they would Mm. joke with me and and encourage me. Um, But they also would roll their eyes like, oh, you know, Katie that's Katie being silly again but so this Mm. is this is happening at the same time as I am one of these people who loves the world I just have a lust for life and a lust for I'm insatiably Mm. curious Mm. and so um, you know the books is one thing but nature and just being out in the world exploring was just it would make me high. I would be from the minute I would get home from school, outside exploring in the world and just, you know, really watching um, a Katie did walk across for minutes, you know, and really being uh, fully immersed in nature and, and just absolutely loving it. Okay.
0: A Katie and did. That sounds like you did something. A Katie did. Yeah, a- I
1: know. That was a nickname that I got, but it's a really funny nickname I got as a kid when, you know what a bouncing castle is? Like those oh, yeah, bouncing yeah, yeah. castles that yeah. yeah. little yeah, <laughs> when I was little, I must have been like seven. I jumped in it too hard and I fell in the corner, and the whole thing collapsed. And then they say, "Who oh, oh, broke the bouncing castle?" Like, Katie did. Katie did. Oh. Katie did. So it was one of my nicknames for a really silly reason. <laughs> but yeah, there's a bug. There's oh, also a bug God. called a Katie did, and we had a lot of them. Um, by um, our house growing up. They're just basically big uh, green leaf-shaped bugs, and mm. I just love them. And um, I just, I loved, I also felt connected to animals mm. and just non, non-speaking things, like trees, mm. um, and I felt like I could feel their energy. And it's interesting because now I understand it from the M- empath perspective.
2: Mm.
1: Um, but then you just think it's normal. Like everybody can feel this. And I think these are just some of the signs I have as as a young person that I was able to pick up on these, these energies. And I also was able to pick up on moods. Um, and I could, I also have what I now know is synesthesia. And so this is actually part of your book when you were mentioning layers, Mm. the layers Mm. of perception, someone with synesthesia experiences connections with senses and perceptions that maybe somebody else may not. Mm. So for example, when I taste something, it has a shape associated with it. And I could draw the shape very easily. Mm. Or when I walk into the room, I could map out the feelings in the room of the energy Um, and I even could tell like that person's dense, that person has a dense energy and that person's not in good space. This person has a light energy. And I also thought that was normal. Right. Right. And, but also maybe didn't have phrases to it.
0: Sorry, I'm, I'm being awful, but I want to give my book, uh, everybody, it's called Dow's DNA and because it's people won't know that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, totally. And I think, but I think, you know, what's funny is I think that's where we want to go exactly where you are. I think we're all trying to, um, intelligence is, is actually, um, I've got a good term for you. It's been going through my head. Um, which is, um, intelligence is where we're able to see things from more than one direction.
2: So we don't look at it as fixed
0: and we're able to, um, we have a, like a flexi mind, you know, um yes uh, I, I, was li- I was listening to ingo swan and he's talking about uh psychic perception and we don't we don't actually we can't define it and yet we can't even define what is our perception normal perception so yeah
1: right
0: anyway i'm, I'm sorry i just i i mean right you realize you have synesthesia that would don't make- be
1: i i think that when i was reading and synesthesia is interesting when you study it more because mm. people with synesthesia are known to have thin boundaries or experience more anomalies, um, which can be interpreted or felt as paranormal or metaphysical. Right. And I do think that I also experience things that may be un- non Um, sensitive person would. So for example, again, back to childhood, I knew when my grandparents died, I just knew, and I'll never forget it. I was, I remember I was in seventh grade. So you're like, you know, 12 and I was walking down the hallway at school and I just knew I said, Oh my my grandma just died. And I just teared up a little bit.
2: Mm. And
1: then, you know, I lived my, my day and then I returned home and I got home and everybody was home from work early. Mm. And they said, Grandma died today. And I said, I know. I know. Did you and have siblings? they're like, how siblings?
0: do you know? Did, did you have siblings? Yes. So have was a sister, it just an older you? sister older sister? Well was she like, I don't know I don't know I don't know what Katie's talking about, why she's saying these things.
1: She's very interesting because she has similar tendencies that express themselves differently.
2: Oh. Okay.
1: So my my sis my sister's in law enforcement. And my sister has the ability to smell bad people, like criminals. Uh, she can tell when you're lying, but she can tell if you have done it. Like she knows if you've done it. Mm. And I think that was probably something she struggled with a lot yeah. as a kid. Because
0: <laughs> We lie a lot, yeah.
1: Lots of people lie. Lots
0: no, of people I mean, lie. We, and we, I, we all lie. It's a yeah. social phenomenon. Like if you know, somebody gets their haircut and we don't like it and we say, right. Oh, that's a nice new haircut. And like, right. And a, I think that was really
1: hard for her growing up.
0: The right. phoniness
1: of, um, like the necessary phoniness and the pretentiousness that we have as like a culture. And, yeah. um, and now we're she's on mobile phoniness. That,
0: yeah. <laughs> no, it's true. I mean, it's a joke, on like, mobile phone, but, but like you, know, we get, uh, we get a phony WhatsApp text of how, you know, somebody's saying something yeah. or, or Facebook is totally phony. Yeah. Mobile phony. Right. Um,
1: yeah, that's a really good, yeah. yeah. It's a, it's in the net. And that is a challenge for empathic and sensitive people because we pick up on what you're not saying. Right, like, and I but think I, I hid uh, in it.
0: I, I I gotta say, I hid in it. I went, okay, so cool. Um, apparently, you know, this is a cool thing to do., um, uh, but I think we're also cutting off our nose despite our face uh, when we're doing that. We're kind of cutting ourselves off.
1: And what's there. strange is, I think at some point, you recognize that it's the game that everyone's playing. Mm. And then some people can mimic the game better than others who are sensitive. And I think those that mimic it, mm. you can do so well, but at some point it catches up with you and it exhausts you. Yeah. And you don't know why you can't pinpoint. That's the reason it's exhausting you because you're playing the game. Right. But at some point you realize, Oh, I'm not living as authentically as I'd like to be. But it can be so exhausting. You have to play the game,
0: or you would be, be so constantly
1: exhausted.
0: Yeah, I think I, would, I mean, like uh, knowing you've got a science background, I'm thinking like that would be such an interesting study uh, to see. You know, to, for example, put a test together where you get people to be phony and you check their stress levels after being phony, and you check them to just being themselves and check their stress levels. I mean, we call, we actually we know the answer, but you know um yeah. oh and i wanted to say in german there's a really est- interesting expression uh if you if you don't like somebody you say i can't smell them like they smell so <laughs> bad i can't don't just don't bring them in the room, they stink yeah That's cute.
1: um
0: yeah uh, and i've and okay actually uh, let's keep
1: going with smell for a minute though yeah, can we go yeah, with yeah, smell yeah. yes sure. because um All right, let's go to particle wave, right? So as we all love in energy work, we constantly think of energy as frequencies, right? But as we also know, energy can be particles. And one of the particles that we're picking up on when we are communicating with somebody is their pheromones. Hmm. And when we do a study on taking the sweat samples of people who are engaged in a variety of activities. So for example, they did a study where people would be right about to jump out of an airplane and they would swab their sweat, yeah? Mm. And then they give that sweat to um, a subject. Mm. When the subject smells those pheromones, their mirror neurons in their brain light up as the same area of, oh my God, I'm about to jump out of an airplane. Um, of anxiety and fear (laughs) and frustration and so it is energetic but it's also to the point where it's molecular right and so sometimes like when we walk into a room and you just know like oh my god there's been a fight here and people go what do you mean there's been a fight here like literally five minutes ago whoever was just in this room there was a fight you're either still picking up on the frequency of energy that was like left there, or maybe you're literally smelling their um, testosterone, their cortisol, their pheromones that they're leaving. And so I think that one part of being a highly sensitive person by definition is you're more aware of the subtleties than other people. And I find that I sometimes will pick up on these things and it's like, you don't know where you're getting it from. But the more you learn about things that you could be picking it up on, you're like, oh, maybe it's that.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know,
1: like maybe I'm smelling somebody's sto- fear.
0: I've got a story for you. Um, so when I was learning with my um, – this is like 30 years ago. I was learning with my uh, Tai Chi teacher, the, the um, Wu Wei master. And uh, when you learn Wu Wei, like a side effect of it sometimes is your, your perception channels just start, start opening. Mine opened in my hands more, so I was able to use my hands to feel like different energies, and he said he had yeah. one student whose tongue opened, and he could taste energies, so he wow. would he would like have somebody standing in front of them, and he'd sit completely silently, but in his mouth he's licking them <laughs> in his mind, he's licking them and he would get. Uh, impressions and he could do it, he could lick people from a distance. It sounds a bit weird, it's really
1: funny. Um,
0: but no, not at funny. all. I
1: have a follow up story. Keep going, keep going. Yeah,
0: I well, no, it was so funny because he said, like, you know, everybody's holding their hands and it looks like they're doing something. This guy's kind of way more impressive <laughs> he's sitting completely silently and just you have a problem there, and then oh, you have a That's problem there. So
1: interesting. Um,
0: so uh, that was his, his magic tongue, as it were, his, um, his psychic tongue. Like and see, I story. love
1: these stories because it's like, you just have to trust that that's your thing, right? Because, you know, I had a thing once where um, maybe about five or six years ago, I was just becoming more brave to test my natural-born intuitive abilities, okay?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so um, when when I was working with a client, I couldn't stop tasting olives, like, I like, couldn't get it out of my mouth. And what I, <laughs> what I was learning was when I get these weird, like, out of nowhere sensations, I have to bring it up in a session, or I'm just going to think about it all day long. And so I said to her, oh, and I also saw visually her in a swimsuit. Couldn't stop seeing it. <laughs> so I said, okay, here, I, I got to ask, what's the deal with the olives? Please tell me these have something to do with you. And she goes, oh, oh, my gosh, Katie. I had the worst day ever yesterday. So I went home that night, and I booked a trip to the south of France, bought myself a new swimsuit, and the whole time I was doing it, I ate a jar of olives, a whole jar. Oh, wow. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. And so it's like I couldn't I could not not say it, but it it was like maybe – we have as sensitive or empathic people, intuitive, all three, we get these messages, and it's whether or not you're paying attention to them that you're going to get validation I, that these are real.
0: I, I have to say, and actually, I wanted to say in your introduction, because you said you work with highly sensitive people, I, I have to say, like, how we deal with our own sensitivity. Depend is so massively influential on our mental health um very and much, yes. whether we're going to be a success because uh you know we talk about edison and mm-hmm. einstein and uh, jobs their success comes from seeing directly like oh i have a vision i i have to do this yeah i mean if jobs you know had stayed in business school i think he was in business school instead of like focusing on calligraphy and like that sort of stuff. We wouldn't have Apple, um, so. Right. Uh, and he didn't go. Oh, this is crazy. I shouldn't be doing this. It's like, yeah, no. This is something I need to do. um And so, like, I see, I see you as so important and so key what you're doing, and especially, which is kind of like like to go because we talk really about your childhood in a, in a lot of ways. Is you know, this we need to nurture the kids that they're okay with right. what feel. Yeah. Because adults, I'm right. not. I mean, I'm still, I'm still dealing with, dealing with my own issues um, and what I feel and trying to fit in with with society. In some ways, I kind of, you know, withdraw because it's like. It's, and we
1: always will. I think. Yeah. yeah. I think we always will. Yeah, because we're a minority, right? By statistics, we are only twenty percent of the population, um, and maybe it's higher. But you know, with original studies and follow up right. studies, it seems we're we're about one in five. So it's like one in five of us are feeling the world stronger, deeper, and more intensely than the rest of the 80%. And so I think for me personally, always what gets everyone's attention first about high sensitivity are the squeaky wheels. It's the annoying stuff. Like I, you know, mine is always, my physical senses are heightened and sometimes that's really annoying to me. Like my poor husband, like he can't get certain brands of deodorant because I'll be like, get away from me. Like that deodorant doesn't work for me. Go get the other one that we know works, you know, like because it's just too intense and it's too many
0: oh, I, weird I,
1: smells, you know. Yeah, yeah. But, but what happens is we tend to pathologize the squeaky wheels. Because we say there's something wrong with me. I'm oversensitive. Um, And this goes both emotional sensitivity and physical sensitivity. We want to be like the 80% who don't have the problems because those squeaky wheels, they're the ones that really need our attention. And so sometimes I think those squeaky wheels are great because they get us into recognizing that this is a cluster of traits that's not only well researched but it's also really positive and like you mentioned Steve Jobs and a couple other people like high sensitivity has been called other things throughout history right like we are the visionaries we're the healers we're the storytellers right. the creative the priests yeah. we're those characters that make the society run And if it weren't for our extra abilities, like we wouldn't have been as successful as we are as a population of humans. Right. So I agree with you. I think part of it is we're always going to have challenges. Like it's just part of the package. We're always going to have challenges, but there are ways and we can talk about this as the, as the interview goes on, but there are ways to like hack your sensitivity into the good side and the superpowers of it and really right. benefit from that. And um, these are people, I, I think myself included, who we thrive in our sensitivities.
0: Right. Well, I mean, I, I also, I mean, I could see the episode. I, I've, I've sort of, in my mind, I've said like, we have to call this like superpower coach or, you know, X-Men coach or, you know, whatever. It's, <laughs> like, it's um, because, you know, what you're doing, I mean, this is one of the reasons I, you know it's just i'm like why well, I, I can't believe i didn't meet you in hong kong like i cannot believe i know it. we've um, tried
1: to and we run in same circles and we know certain people and yeah
0: yeah um but also i mean i i recognize that story about like it's very difficult for our world you know our environment cuz yeah. you know we love the people we love we just do and then somebody will say to me, oh, so um, I know you like this, so I got it for you. And I'm like, check the energy of it. And I'll go, um, but not that one. (laughs) Oh my God.
1: Yes, that's how I am with gifts. I'm probably the worst person to give gifts to because of that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Restaurants, you like this restaurant and I check energetically. So apparently today, no, today it's not strong for me. So it's not, there's no energy there for me. So if we go there, it's not going to work out well let's go somewhere else. And it's like, uh, how do I, how do other people deal with, you know, our, our sensitivity? Uh, It's quite a, it's, it's another fascinating topic. Um, but
1: yeah. And a a lot lot of us have childhood memories of being the difficult child, right. And being the one that like, will be the stick in the mud because of your sensitivities. Like, um, for example, like I love, I love carnivals and I love festivals mm. until I don't, right? Like I will, I will reach a point and so will all sensitive people where you become overstimulated because the same stimulation that's so exciting, like the flashing lights and being right. on, the, on the roller coaster and the food and the sugar and everything, the same stimulation that for the people in the 80% is like you can have that on repeat and not get tired of it. For the 20% of us who are really sensitive nervous systems, we take it in, take it in, and then we just hit a wall. And I remember like going to like amusement parks or going to like, festivals and being like, I love it, so great. And then five minutes later, like, I want to go home. We have to leave now, now, now. Uh-huh. And it's like you remember your family being like, oh, God, really? We have to leave because she wants to leave or making you stay. And then you feel... Really overstimulated and then have a terrible time, and it's almost, you know, semi traumatic. Yeah, and you so shut down We, yeah, we can gonna... be difficult. Mm. Yeah.
0: I, I mean, um, there's two things which come to mind uh, about that. One of them I forgot, um, but well, you know, <laughs> I have it's gaslighting. So essentially, we, yeah. we early on, like, know what you're feeling is not real, and then we start right. to tell ourselves know what you're feeling is not real. Like you, somebody walks in, you got a feeling about somebody and you go, but like that guy is a really good guy. You know, it's like, I remember, um, yes. my father had a business colleague and I, it's like, it's got the blackest energy and it's like so nice. Uh, such a nice guy. And that, and my dad's getting better and better friends with him, you know, on a more friends level. And I'm like, wow. Like, watch out for this guy, like count your fingers if you shake hands with him. Like, this, this is just not a good guy. Um, and I don't know why, maybe it's okay in business, but like, you should be definitely careful of, of this, this person. Um, uh, and the second one was, uh, you know, I had a, um, uh, let's say I, when I was a child, I met another child who was, who was killing snails. And he said, I'm doing it to harden myself. So essentially, yeah, I know it's awful. It's like a psychopath in the, in the making. Right. Essentially he's so sensitive that he wants to cause harm. So in, part of him will, will die. Part of him will shut off. So he's able wow. to, to deal with the world. And I wonder how many of us, you know, go through, uh, like, uh, that, that process with ourselves. Yeah. I was like, say, I, I need to, yes, I think 100%, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to hurt something because it's going to shut down after that. It's going to like, mm. I, I, I reject these feelings. I reject my feelings. I reject, you know, nature and feeling So touched by it because it's going to die. So I'm yeah. going to kill it. It's like, Whoa. Um, and it, it took me a long time to understand that was, that was not a good idea at all because I had no frame of reference and you know right. what what you and i i think we we want to do is help people have a frame of reference uh just just so they feel a little bit stable um and you know when things are starting to feel really unstable it's like yeah yeah okay that's really normal yeah hearing voices yeah. um you know um, right but you don't know where they're from it's like um uh, and all all this kind of stuff.
1: a lot of bravery Involved in speaking out about the way you experience the world when you're in this minority, because then what it becomes is obviously you're opening yourself up for criticism, mm. right? And that hurts more as a sensitive person, so you feel people's criticism more, and you do gaslight if you're not comfortable enough because you say. I experienced this, this is my phenomenological truth of the world. And then someone says, well, I've never experienced that. So that's not true. And what is interesting about intuitives and empaths and sensitives is we are more likely to be, um, you know, the Kruger Dunning effect where you're like, you know, you, you, because you're aware of the complexities of the world, highly sensitive people are more aware of what they don't know. So they have more likely to be imposter syndrome because they're like, well, I, you know, I don't know everything. Like I know a lot, but I don't know everything. So maybe I shouldn't speak out and I shouldn't become an expert on this because what do I know? Whereas, you know, somebody who doesn't know what they don't know is like, I'm an expert. Listen to me. Right. So we, we have a lot of risk involved in speaking out about our experience. But what I have found is when I've spoken out, people come out of the woodwork and say, that's me too. And even I'm starting to make connections. So we'll go back to my, um, my after I was a child, I became a science teacher. And so, as this naturally well, we're gonna curious have part person. have part
0: two, I think. Katie Larson's like, <laughs> too big. sorry, you don't fit in an episode. I might have a three-stager. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, we, I mean, we've got, uh, there's a whole aspect of like your experiences and, and even like talking about the methodology. Uh, you know that that would give people an idea of how to frame their experiences. Because I'm so yeah. Uh, you know, whilst writing the book, I became so clear about you know humans need structure. Humans make structures. Yeah. And we invent new structures. And we it's because we need structures. So we we get a feeling of stability. And
1: we and, feel safer yeah, in a structure. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah definitely. Um, uh, and. Um, there was something I was going to say, but I can't remember. It's just too many things being said at once. I know. I'll, I'll go back it's to the, what I was about to say yeah. about being a
1: science teacher. Yes. Because I, I have, I've made connections now because a lot of the things that you do when you first realize you're sensitive is you go back and you reframe your past through the lens of sensitivity, mm. right? And then you're like, oh, my God, that makes sense, that makes sense, that makes sense. But when – so, you know, just to connect the storyline – uh, because I was so naturally curious, and I loved the nature and things like that. I studied biology, and I was a biologist, and then I was a science teacher, physical science, chemistry, and biology, high school. And when I was teaching, sure, I loved the content, and I loved you know, being a teacher. It was great. It was the best job ever. But I noticed that I would always attract um, certain types of people, but mostly they were sensitive boys, And I I had sensitive girls that were attracted to me as well, but I often had in my classroom after school helping me clean the lab, asking me about philosophical questions, talking to me about, you know, these types of subjects, Um, these boys that now looking back, I can see they were sensitive boys in a high school that Mm. didn't value sensitivity and they felt comfortable with my energy and my openness and my acceptance of their sensitivity. And what's really interesting is, now these boys are in their late 20s, early 30s, and we're still in touch, right? So they're men now. And I've reached back out to some of them as a result of being um, in this role and doing Mm. research for my own book. Mm. And they said, I give them the quiz, and they're all off the charts. And they Mm. say, oh my gosh, That's me. That's my whole life. This is the challenges that I've had, right, is that I've always felt safer with people who could talk deeply about something, and I always felt safer with someone who could show their emotions openly, Mm. and it's, like, I find now, looking back, like, I always wondered, like, why did I have this, like, handful of characters Mm. that were my people as a teacher? Why did I attract these kids? And now, looking back, I'm, like, they felt safe in their sensitivities with me,
0: this is a test that that uh, is that like an open test like can anybody find that because i mean i think if i yeah i said to people like well first of all if you've if you think you might be sensitive i didn't even know there's a test like that's so cool
1: yeah Yeah, there's a test so there's one on my website growthquest.com but there's also the original test which is dr elaine aaron's website Um, i think it's hspperson.com and Um, it'll just show you I think it's out of 26 questions and I'm 25 out of 26 Mm. and you will just see how many tendencies because high sensitivity is a cluster of traits Mm. and they're so disparate at first like they don't seem like they connect right like you think deeply about something is one you get overstimulated easily is another you emotionally pick up on people's energies and Energies of the room, yeah. and you sense subtle subtleties, right? And at first glance, some of those connect. Like, okay, I'm sensitive to subtleties, so I'm going to get more emotional or uh, overstimulated easily. That connects. But I never put two and two together about my love for deep processing as a high sensitivity trait. If you give me a topic like crop circles. Mm. I will go into a deep dive of crop circles for two, three weeks. And I would like chew, just like chewing gum to Mm. my brain. Mm. Like I will just love every minute of it. And I will go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And honestly, that's why I was successful getting a PhD and a master's degree, because you can do the research and you're interested because you love the depth of processing. Mm. But I would have never have, had I not learned about high sensitivity, connected that we are the people who enjoy the layers of complexity and the curiosity of the world. You know, it's like, that's why I it's love those books a, as a kid.
0: Yeah. And it's such a scientific trait as well, actually. Uh, you know, you might, I'd say almost ironically, because uh, but I don't really feel, I think a uh, science is doing itself short in many ways, the way it's done nowadays, because I feel that science is about not knowing. Uh, I think we talked about this a little bit last time. And and then, you know, we literally can go deeper, deeper, deeper. And, um, yeah, I mean we find, like, whole new areas and realities because uh, we've got that, um, um, I, I don't know, that X factor, yeah, um, which is working on our side. I think
1: one thing that I really needed as a personal – philosophy, like philosophy to um, understand in my later years, was understanding phenomenology. Because when I was a scientist, I was really dedicated to understanding like a little bit more materialistic, hard data, the numbers, you know, this tool gave me this printout of this data, therefore this is the reality. And when I went into my PhD and I had to choose the methodology that I was going to use for my research... One that I was introduced to was phenomenology. And now for anybody that doesn't know that word, and it's such a fun one to say, phenomenological truth, right? Phenomenology is just the study of direct experience. Mm. And in reality, that is the beginning of all knowledge, is mm. Mm. somebody had direct experience with something, they communicated about it, and then there are studies that snowball out, off of that. And some of those studies, they can now acquire hard evidence or like, you know, tools and ways to measure it. And that's great. But some is only pure direct experience. And that's the side of me that I was like, not as strong in is trusting that phenomenological truth. Right. And so I really went to that direction. It's almost more of a humanities based research of understanding people's stories. Because when you understand people's stories, that's the truth. Um, Maybe it's a little bit more subjective, but it's still an experience that is undeniable to that person. And if that's, you know, now we learn more and more, like, okay, we're in the 20%, we're in the minority. So think about every other type of group of people that are in little minorities. And if we're really truly listening to their stories, then you're getting phenomenological truth That is so much more important to understand than whatever data you have in the majority. Because if you're sitting here and people are telling you, like, you know, I'm telling people, like, I've seen a ghost, I've seen an elf, I've seen this, I've seen this. And it was very real. And people, you know, but where's the data? Where's your photo evidence? Where's the things that I can measure? But it's still truth.
0: Well. I like, I do like what Winston Churchill said. So there's two responses that I have to that. Winston Churchill said, statistics are very revealing. They're like a bikini. They're very revealing, but they hide the most important things. Yeah.
1: (laughs) I don't know that one. That's
0: good. I mean, I'm paraphrasing him, but, um, also, you know, um, uh, ingo swan i'm going back to ingo because i'm just a big fan of ingo's
1: i like ingo swan
0: he, too he he was in uh in the um uh, being a, a subject for psychic research and psychic research as you as you can almost say is like it doesn't go looking where psychic phenomena is it says we want to bring it into the laboratory where it really doesn't happen very much right. and then say well look it's not happening here so that it doesn't exist it's like it's not oh, real. hey dummies yeah and, and Ingo said, "Well, let me tell you my process. Let me tell you what I was what I was going through as I'm trying to perceive this. Because although I didn't get the target, when I now know what the target is, I was going through a process, and actually, I was I was getting hits. And then from there, he became this uh, sort of psychic superstar that then became part of the Stargate um, uh, psychic spying thing. But I mean, I'm um, Uh, yeah, right. And, and the other thing is like, when, when somebody is seeing ghosts or seeing, um, elves or seeing whatever, and they're kind of freaking out about it, can they reach out to you or or you, you say like, okay, first go and go and see a psychiatrist. Yeah. Get, get some medication for that.
1: (laughs) No, I think that, um, what part of my certification is, um, a coach for spiritual emergence. And so this is people who are feeling like they're going through an awakening of reality or perceptions. Like they have experienced something anomalous like um a peak experience. So this can be anything from like you just mentioned seeing those ghosts or or elves or or whatever or an altered state of consciousness mm. or kundalini awakening or these things that you may not be as familiar or comfortable with, and you need someone to talk about with this topic. Um, I personally, when I had um, an altered state of consciousness with psychedelics, um, it blew my mind, you know, in a good way. Uh, and I, at the time, it had, I had no one to talk to about it. And I did a little research about um, integration therapists. So um, one thing that has been really well done in the US is is a lot of Research and psychedelics and and positive, safe ways to explore psychedelics has has come out of all of these therapists who are qualified to help you understand your experience Mm. and really integrate it. Because it's one thing, I think my generation, maybe even more than your generation, has really been encouraged to collect experiences, right? Mm. And we did, especially pre-COVID, like we did it all. But then like now we have to integrate it and some of us don't know how to do that. And so luckily for me, I had someone help me integrate this psychedelic experience into my psyche to understand like, wow, that was trying to teach me about this. And this was trying to help me understand that. And I couldn't have done that without her. And so I felt so strongly about that. That's something that I wanted to help other people with. And so that's something that I have studied and it's, um, Important to me because what I have found is when we have those peak experiences We get a taste of the vertical dimension and I can tell you what that is in a minute But it's like once you get a taste of the vertical dimension, you want to live in it all the time and it's impossible So you have to be able to integrate that into your life and use the wisdom you've gotten in this amazing realm To give you meaning and purpose and it is possible You just need someone to help you sometimes right or give you the tools to do it yourself
0: I, I You know, it's an interesting thing cause for me uh, because some people think, oh, I want to experience this. I'm going to take psychedelics. And I, I'm like, well, I I really haven't had a psychedelic experience ever. Yeah. Um, and I, I feel like, it, I mean, I feel like it's certainly something to be a little bit careful of. I mean, I think they're amazing experiences, but you do sometimes, really, you need therapy afterwards just to kind, yeah. kind of like put it in some sort of frame and get your stability back on this world. I mean, uh, uh I've had a couple of students over the years who's been, uh, they were well, the uh, drugs, drug induced psychosis and they, they were retired at 20, 23. Right. They were, like the state retired them and said, yeah, you'll never be able to work. Yeah. Um, right. and it's partly because, I mean, I didn't know how to help them. Um, yeah. Uh, and, um, Uh, So, so there's definitely two aspects. There's certain. I know there's a thing about like oh, you you know, everybody's going oh, you got to do Ayahuasca, and it's like uh, no, you don't actually. Yeah, I can see sometimes it's a good experience, but I've met as many people who've had. I know I've I've met less people who go and say oh, it's going to show you what you need to know. And mine was a horror trip. I needed a horror trip for whatever reason and that was really terrible and never doing that again i'm like okay well yeah all right so it it, it is not necessary it, it is going to show you sort of what what you need to what you need to know you know what that is an amazing episode we have got to have a psychedelic episode and talk about it from in more depth yeah. because i think i think people like carlos castaneda and so on uh what i felt with that, with that was like oh he really had a guide. He really had somebody who, who was holding his hand the whole, the whole way. Yeah. Um, and people now said, yeah, yeah. So I'm going to take this. I'm going to do that. And I'm like, uh, yeah, I don't think
1: it's a party drug. I think, I think yeah. things with psychedelics is it's not a party drug and it's more of initiation. To be honest, I think it represents more of a ingestible initiation that mm. in all likelihood. And I mean, mythology shows it that was probably historically done in ceremonial aspects where it was a rite of passage and it was a initiation into this metaphysical realm or this other way of thinking about reality that allows you to see beyond the veil right and I think if if you treat it like a party drug and you're doing it you know, in a irresponsible way and in a way that doesn't honor what it's actually meant to, to give you, then it might take advantage of you and make you feel terrible, right? But I, I do feel like it's a wisdom teacher. Yeah. And I think through my own experiences and then also other altered states of consciousness that don't derive from drugs, but from meditation or, or hypnosis, um, yeah or you know variety of things you realize okay there's more there's more than what we see right there's more than what we see and we get tastes of it and some people can do with the crumbs and they're fine and some people want the whole pie right and i think there's everybody's in between so it's like if you don't want or ever need to feel like you're gonna do a psychedelic or whatever. I think there's plenty of other ways to enter into these other realms that will give you the same taste. Right. You
0: know what I mean?
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean uh yeah that's I mean that's just a massive um area. I, I we think we can
1: talk about that forever, yeah.
0: I think we're gonna have to draw a line under the top one. Okay. Um, and I'd like to, um, I'd like to continue with you in part two. I don't know if you can do it like, you know, sh- soon so we can have them like, uh, sequentially like in the, in sure. the but I mean, I, I just want, to really want to thank you for uh, taking the time today and sharing like, I mean, we've done a, a little bit of a deep dive in your background, but I, I want to do that because I think the stories that you're, you've had as a child will be relatable by certain people. Or parents yeah. who've got kids who are that difficult child, and they're like, you know, we, I think perhaps even um, we call um, there's a certain percentage. Let me be careful. There's a certain percentage of autism and uh, Asperger that is um, perhaps uh, uh, related to this this area. And I, you know, if you if you've given a, a parent an idea. Of how to deal with it, then yeah. Already, like, yeah. Quick. I
1: think there's, I think there's plenty of misdiagnoses that could be attributed to high sensitivity. Yeah. And that's why it's important to understand as a parent, because, like you mentioned, you might be preventing, especially the medical medicalization of um, treating something that is not necessarily symptomatic, is not patholo- is not pathology. It's just mm. a cluster of traits. And when really ap- appreciated. Um, you know, if your kid gets overstimulated, give him lots of breaks, right? Like that's just maintenance. Um, sometimes that's more helpful than medicine. Um, and so just understanding these, this quality. And I think if, if you're a parent, I would recommend Dr. Elaine Aaron's book, The Highly Sensitive Child. If you're right. an adult, I would recommend Dr. Elaine Aaron's book, The Highly Sensitive Person. Hmm. Um, and these books are the best, primers the best um, introductory um, what it means to be highly sensitive and you'll learn so much about yourself and really most of us will who are sensitive as soon as we read the introduction alone you go how did I not know this how did I go x years without knowing this and so I would recommend them and then someday when my book is free um, out in the world I will recommend my book the sensitive journey but it's going to be a while before I finish it
0: yeah. Well, take your time, but I'm, I think it's going to be, um, I mean, I'm just talking to you. I think it's going to be fascinating, even if it's just a series of your stories. Um, one thing I'm interested to talk about, and we're going to have to put this off to next time is talking about how a highly sensitive person, um, perhaps perceives entities and what's mm. sort of the, because like once you go like there's something there and everyone, goes, no, there isn't. I'm like, I mean, I've been in, um, uh, you know the family constellation and i've got yeah there's there's, oh, yeah. there's there's something there it's just where that person isn't standing just next to them there is something there and it, and it's not being spoken of and in that frame it was fine but i mean like you know in so many other frames like people are like whoa what you know right. what's he taking you know um but
1: <laughs> we can talk all about that yeah i, I am plenty of stories really, on like, that we're gonna be like
0: <laughs> for hours we're just so cool so thank you very much for today and uh, Thank you. let's uh, let's do a pause. So I went on talking with uh, Katie for another hour, uh, well, 40 minutes, and uh, you'll hear that next week. And I'm really looking forward to sharing that with you. Um, so keep on discovering energy work. I'm Richard Wick signing off and wishing you a fantastic life this week. Mm-hmm.